chapter 17th verse. Uh, the ladies will be gathering here in here Friday night at 7 o'clock for prayer, and that will be this Friday. Also, this Saturday, the youth will be going to uh, Texas Stadium to go roller skating, and that's going to be this Saturday. And then the empty nesters will be meeting as well on Saturday, and they'll be meeting next door at 5 uh, on Saturday. Prayer meeting, 714 Saturday morning. So God bless. Switch on you guys here. And I hope you got the title changed. Did you get the title changed? All right, good, good, good. All right, let's look here uh, to the Lord's Word. And as I said, I want to start there in 1 John 4. As you're turning there, let's just ask for the Lord's help tonight. Father, we love you. And Lord, we need revelation tonight. Lord, we truly need revelation. You are the controller of Revelation. And Lord, we just ask tonight that you would reveal yourself in such an awesome and mighty way that, Lord, that will truly bring transformation to our hearts and lives. And everyone said amen. amen. I want you to look here in 1 John, the, uh, the fourth chapter, the 17th verse. It says, Love has been perfected among us in this that we have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, mm, I like that, because as he is, and I hope your Bible re reads that, that pronoun as a capital, speaking of Jesus, so are we in the world. Amen? Amen? Amen. Praise God. Think about it for just a moment. moment. Now verse 18, there is no fear in love but perfect love cast out fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love we love him because he first loved us now if I ask you tonight and I had preached it this way over and over again but let me ask you tonight what is the opposite of fear faith how many would say faith? We've heard that. And yes, uh, I absolutely agree. And that's part of it. But I want to look here, according to 1 John 4, 18, what is the opposite of fear? We just read it. Love. So love, and more specifically, perfect love. Now, you and I cannot love perfectly. But who loves perfectly? Jesus does. He is, God is love. And they that know him, they love, one another, they, they love because God is love. And we love him because he first loved us. But how do we receive the love of God? We do so by faith. Or could we say it this way that maybe is more impacting to us? Because the love of God is without limits. You can't measure the, uh, the width of it, the height of it. It is eternal. It is everlasting. It is agape. It is the love of God. Could we say that it may be more receptive if we reframe it a little bit and say that we, yes, by faith, but it's more of an accepting of God's love. It's accepting God's love. 
Because many times we think about faith and we think, well, if I'm not where I'm supposed to be and I don't feel like I'm supposed to feel and, and, and then I feel in, in, a, a sense of condemnation because we, we put too much measure in our faith. What we need to do is realize that faith will only attach to Jesus, as we've stated over and over. But whenever I think about the fact that there is no question whatsoever that Jesus Christ God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God loves us. It's a matter of receiving that love, accepting that love. It's not a question according to the Word of God whether or not God loves you. God truly loves you. But you've got to be willing to receive that love. Now, let me ask you this. How would your life change? Think about it just for a moment. Let it sink beyond your head into your heart. And I want you to just to meditate for just a moment. How much differently would you behave, would you walk in this world if you knew for certain that God absolutely, genuinely, emphatically loves you? Think about it just for a moment. Would it not eliminate the torment of fear? Would it not alleviate that burden uh, uh, that we carry so often of the, uh, of the fear that rests upon us? Now, you may wonder why did we go to 1 Samuel 17. I want to tell you why. Because we see here that David, David, David's name literally means beloved. It means beloved. What does it mean to be beloved? It means to be loved. It means that you are greatly loved, dearly loved, genuinely loved, absolutely loved. You are loved by God. How often in the, in the New Testament, especially John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he refers to the church as the beloved when we look at David, we see David's name means beloved, loved of God. If we can grasp hold of this church, it will revolutionize our daily walk. It will revolutionize the way we behave toward one another. It will open doors of relationship and ministry. And as we talked about last week, I believe that there is a revelation, a floodgate of heaven that will open up in the heart of the church once we truly begin to understand the love of God. That God loves us, truly loves us. As we look here to David, and I love 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to look through the lens of love again tonight. I want you to look here in 1 Samuel uh, 17, verse 38. 1 Samuel 17, verse 38. What we see, uh, what's happening here as the buildup. Many of you know, and you've read this, it's one of my favorite passages in the Word of God. In fact, I love 1 Samuel 17. It is rich with revelation. Uh, if you don't have, if you don't know where to go and what to read, and if you want an exciting story in God's Word, go to 1 Samuel. Camp out there for a little bit. You're going to find out all kinds of beautiful things about God's Word. But you see here, David means beloved. And now what has happened is now that the Israelites are 
at war against the Philistines. The Israelites are on one side of a valley, and here the Philistines are on the other side of that valley. The Bible tells us for 40 days, Goliath comes out in the midst of that valley, the, the, the champion of the Philistines, the nine foot six giant. He comes out into that valley every morning and every evening, and he issues a challenge to those uh, that are uh, the, the Israelites. He said, if you'll give me a champion and he fights and he defeats me, then we will all be your servants. But if I defeat them, then we won't have to go through all this warfare. Israel, you can come in and you'll be subjugated by us and you'll become our servants. But think about the lives that we will save. Now, as we look at this, we see that David is there a shepherd boy and he has already been anointed king he's already been uh, there as the minstrel bringing a, a comfort to king saul and he goes back to tend the sheep and then he comes back as his father gave him instructions i want you to go now and check on your brothers your three elder brothers see how the battle's shaping up he gets there and he He's, I don't know if it's in the morning or the evening, but what we do know is that when the Goliath comes out, David hears him. And he's like, is any of you here going to step out and challenge and, and take on this uncovenanted, this uncircumcised giant that is here railing against the armies of the Lord? Is anybody going to step out here and do anything? Now, Word gets back to Saul. Saul knows David. David has been in Saul's court. So he brings David in. And oh, don't you love the, the spirit of a, of a spirit-filled youth? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of this giant for you. I, I'll take care of him for you. Just, just let me at him. And Saul said, what are you, how are you going to do that? Well, there was, there was a time there was a, a lion came out in the field, and, and I took him by the beard because he had a hold of one of the lambs, and, and I killed him. And then there was a time a bear came out, and a bear tried to attack. So let me tell you, that lion and bear, that creature of nature that's out there, I took both of them down by the power of the Lord. So I, I'm just telling you right now, anything that is not covenanted with God via this, uh, this Goliath, this giant, I don't care if he's nine foot six or 12 foot six he is not in covenant with the God that we are in covenant with he holds no hope for any promises and he is challenging the Jehovah God and Jehovah God will go with me into this battle and I will defeat him now I want you to look here as David gathers up and here's what Saul just needs to help him out a little bit. He, he needs to take care of young David. And so I want you to look here in verse 38. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. Hmm, interesting. I want you, you got time tonight. Look over in verse 5 with me, if you will. I want, I want you to see a description of Goliath, of Gath. He's nine foot six inches tall. Verse five, it says, he had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of that coat 
was 5,000 shekels of bronze, and that's 200 pounds. Now, as we look here, what I want you to see is this. Saul did not feel he was loved of the Lord. It's a tormenting spirit, the Bible says, that would come upon him. And we see when, the, the verse we just read, the verse we read in 1 John, what is torment attached to? Fear. So we see that we could liken Saul to a man who was entangled, he was tormented with fear. But we see that David is not afraid of Goliath. David's name means beloved, greatly loved. And it wasn't just a name only. I believe it was a man who spent time with God, who understood God, and he, he received and accepted the love of God because he was a man who was, who was really agitated over the fact that they were not walking and, and, and living out the covenant with the Lord. In fact, uh, 40 days, does that ring a bell to anyone? 40 days as they were out there, he would come out and in the morning and in the evening, there was a challenge that was, they were facing. Do you know that in Israel, according to, to the Torah, we find out that there was a sacrifice in the morning and in the evening. There was a sacrifice of a lamb every morning and a sacrifice of the lamb every evening. So what we see here is there is a challenge that's taking place to the covenant people of God. And there is Saul, and he says, this is how you combat this giant, uh, this tormenting giant of fear. What you need to do is you need to put on this bronze helmet. Now, bronze in the scripture, it represents judgment. Put on this bronze helmet so that, so that you can think on the basis of judgment. Because every time you talk to someone, they are judging you. Every time that you communicate, you need to strategize what you're going to say because that's just the way life is. See, if you're living that way, you're not living in love. Because love steps out in the valley to face the giants of fear, and it does it unprotected. Because what it knows is there is a power in being loved by God. There is a power that's going to be released in the heart of the children of God. And they're going to begin to discover the revelation of God's love. We're going to get out of our minds and our hearts and our, and our corrupt thinking that love is a, is a bald head man in a robe standing with flowers in his hand on a, in the airport singing who knows what. Harry Krishna. We get in our mind, that's what love is. No, what we need to get in our mind is that is what love is. It's a Calvary. It's what Christ has done. And it is the most powerful force on earth that we will begin to embrace the love of God. Stop waiting around, as we talked last week, in the shallow end, knowing that we are now flowing in the river of God's love, and that's what's going to bring healing to the nations. Oh, Lord, help me tonight. Lord, help me tonight. See, Saul, what, when I'm living loved, I am no longer living, hear this, 
If I am living as the loved of God, I am no longer living self-protected. Well, that's not me, preacher. I'm not living self-protected. Well, do you have that he the helmet on? That bronze helmet, it's the same one Goliath is wearing. Do you know that the name Goliath means soothsayer? What is that, a fortune teller? It's a, it's a prognosticator telling you about the future. Let me ask you today, has the devil ever given you a bright outlook on the future? Has he ever said, oh, you're going to be prosperous and this is going to work out fine and, and you don't have to worry a bit and it's going to all just play, everything's going to be just hunky-dory. Don't worry about it. No, it's always, you're never going to make it. It's always going to be in doom and despair. It's always going to be destruction. And I want to kill you. I want to kill your children and your children's children. And this world has no hope. And you might as well give up. And you might as well pull the trigger. And you might as well pop the pills. And you might as well stay in that camp. Goliath is a soothsayer. He is there prognosticating on your future. He's telling you don't trust people. Don't get around people. In fact, you need to put on that coat of mail that protects your heart so that nobody gets close enough to see who you really are. See, if I'm living in self-protection, if I'm always concerned that people are going to find me out, People are all, if I'm constantly living in a state where every conversation is, 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 is guards, moves and counter moves, and, and, and I'm at a place where I'm just wanting people to stay far enough back so they don't see who I really am because I don't really feel like I measure up. I don't really feel like I have anything to offer. If they knew my failures, they wouldn't love me. If they knew my shortcomings, they wouldn't get close to me. Strategize, strategize. Let you pull out that sword and make sure that you're self-protected. That all of your words, that you can never be quoted. And that everybody is watching over everything that you say. See, Saul's armor is self-protection. Saul's armor is an armor does not allow any freedom. It's an armor of bronze, of judgment, of punishment. I want to read you that the verse in, in 1 John 4.17 in another translation. By living in God, love has brought it, brought to its full expression. Let me start over. I brutally abused that. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment. Because all that Jesus now is, so are we in the world. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love, but Love's perfection drives fear of punishment far from our hearts. 
Whoever walks consistently afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Our love for others is for our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. Do you know where Saul was camped out at? He was camped out <clears throat> in the valley, talk, took the troops and said, let's go over to the valley and let, we're going to camp here against the enemy and they're camped in the valley of Elah. Now, Elah means one of three things. If you've got a child named Elah, we'll just call him an oak because it can mean oak. But there's two other meanings according to Hitchcock Bible Dictionary, and that is a curse or perjury. So Saul has chosen to bring the troops out, and they're camped in this valley, the valley of Elah, the valley of curse, and the valley of perjury. What is perjury? It's the offense of willingly telling an untruth in a court after having taken an oath of affirmation. When I came to the altar of Jesus Christ, I said, Lord, I'm going to live in the covenant of God. I'm going to walk in the covenant of the Lord. I'm just going to love you because you love me. And now I'm going to march forward with that strength. But how many times have I perjured myself? I made that oath, but I've listened to the lie because the giants seem awfully big and he seemed bigger than me. But I'm saying to you folks that there is a love that God has given us. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to, we don't have to barter for it. You don't have to go to the throne of grace and say, Lord, if I, I'll do this and if I can get that. And, and we base everything upon our performance. For something that has already been given to us uh, 2,000 years ago, but it did not start there. It started 6,000 years ago, and I would say to you, it lasted a lot longer than that. It was in eternity past, and it'll never run out in eternity future. And that is the love of the living God. And folks, if we will get a hold of this and get a revelation, we'll start taking off this helmet of judgment and start opening up our heart and let people walk on in and walk on us if you need to it makes me no difference because I am loved of God now drop the anointing excuse me <laughs> I got a smaller bottle because we had an evangelist up here and he knocked over a bottle and we still got the stain right here it's about that big around maybe if I need the anointing I need to stand right here Anyway, beloved, being loved of God, well, I don't deserve it. Who does? Two voices came from heaven from the Father about the Son, the first of which was at baptism. We understand that baptism is a portrait of salvation. Jesus was not being saved, but he was, it was a transition at his time, and I won't take time to go into it. Probably shouldn't have started down that trail. It was a transition from priesthood because an old priesthood, in order for them to transition, they would, have, they would bring the priest in and they would baptize them in water as a symbol of transition from one priesthood to the next. It's a part of Jewish history. But for you and I, we come in to water baptism to give a portrait of salvation. 
But when Jesus rose, uh, the Father's voice came and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Then on the Mount of Transfiguration, they were there. Peter, James, and John saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration. And the voice came from heaven after Elijah and Moses had showed up. And now they were there. Peter was, was panicking, not knowing what to do. Should we build a tabernacle for Moses and Elijah? And the voice came down and said, no, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And when they looked up, Jesus was the only one standing there. Let me tell you, Jesus is still the only one standing there. And now we are standing there with Jesus. And now you and I are the beloved because the beloved has not only loved us enough to give us salvation, he's loved us enough to give us transformation. And if you're serving a God that can't transform, you're serving the wrong God. If you're listening to a doctrine that doesn't take you out of darkness into light, then you are listening to the wrong doctrine. Because let me tell you, the outward manifestation of who you are will start from inside your heart. Will you enter into relationship with the beloved and once you discover that he loves you it will change the way you behave oh Jesus get us to the getting place tonight now I want you to look here in 1 Samuel 17 I've asked you the question how would you behave if you knew you were loved how would you think about it just a moment Think about it just a moment. But your childhood can creep in to your daily living and try to violate your future. There's Goliath, and he's there with a, with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. Sword, a spear, and a javelin. That sword is that present-day weapon that's against you. That spear is what he holds in his hand. He wants to reach a distance out from him. I could reflect our past. He's got that javelin. And when you fight with the javelin, you don't hold it in your hand. You throw it somewhere off at a distance. So he's not just, he uses your past against you, torments you in your presence, because ultimately he wants to stop your future. Can you see it? Now, I want you to look at this, because when the Hebrews were standing around listening to the voice from heaven, we translate that, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But what they heard is this is David in whom I am well pleased. Why? Because in Hebrew, David means beloved. Now let's read starting here in verse 41. And we're going to replace the word, not by taking anything from the word, but so that we can get some clarity on what it means to be loved and what a loved person begins to look like, what a loved person begins to act like. And I just want you to know tonight uh, that it's time that we stop uh, holding up uh, our victim badge uh, as a shield against the giants uh, and say, I can't have what everybody else has uh, because I have been victimized. Uh, I believe time 
the church uh, that we take to our victimization uh, and we nail it to the cross, uh, but we let the love of God begin to mold and make and shape us into what we need to be so that we can reach out and see others uh, come to the saving knowledge of Christ. Amen? I want you to look here. So the Philistine, speaking of the Goliath, came in verse 41, and he began drawing near to Beloved. And the man who bore the shield went before him, and when the Philistine looked about and he saw Beloved, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to Beloved, are you following with me tonight? Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed Beloved by his God. And the Philistine said to Beloved, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air, to the beasts of the field. Then Beloved said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you, take your head from you, and this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then I will then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword and with a spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet Beloved, that Beloved hurried and he ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then Beloved put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. So the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on the face of the earth. Verse 50, so Beloved prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him, but there was no sword in the hand of Beloved. Therefore, beloved, ran, stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of the sheath, and he killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistine as far as the entrance of the valley of the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the roadside. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. Oh, Lord God, get it in our hearts. You are loved of God. And when you discover that, you won't run from the battle, you'll run to the battle. When you get it in your heart that God truly, emphatically, radically loves you, that you don't have to do anything to earn that love, you don't have to do anything to receive the, the acceptance of the Lord, but only accept the sacrifice that he's already made. The Bible tells us, as we quoted last week, that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. That's the river that flows out of you, and you will stop running from those giants and saying no that hill belongs to me and my children and my children's children I will not step away 
you will stop protecting yourself with religion. You'll stop protecting yourself with excuses. You will stop protecting yourself with this mindset that it's for others but not for you. You will stop all of that because what you will understand is that God loves you. The Lord has called us to be instant in season and out of season. But I was thinking about that verse this week, meditation, and the Lord said you can't be instant in season until you learn to be consistent in my love. You got to be consistent in your daily devotion towards the Lord. You got to be consistent in walking alongside the Lord and allowing God's love to flow through you. And every time that you feel that guard going up, that you've got to hide, that you've got to protect, that, oh, wait a minute, somebody's going to find out something about me. When you start to feel that, that's when you drop your hands and stop fighting. And you just say, oh, I'm, I'm not protecting, I'm not defending myself anymore. I, I'm not going to, I, I'm not going to tit for tat. I'm not going to read you my resume. I'm not going to tell you what God, what I have done for the Lord. You know how we read our resume to other people? We start telling God what we have done for the Lord. We start feeling intimidated and we got to give all these lists. I, well, I've done this and I've done that and I've done this and that and that. And look how great I am. Can't you see that I'm called of God? Wouldn't it be so much better to say, you know what? I've been saturated in his love. Let me tell you what God has done for me. He's taken me out of the miry clay. He's set my feet upon a rock that I can stand. He took this old corrupt, proud heart out of me and gave me that old stony heart. And he put a heart in me that I can be brave enough to let people in. He teaches me that, that freedom comes from confession. And so let me tell you what the devil's been tormenting me about. I'm afraid that you might not like me thank you brother <laughs> now let me say tonight all of us have had those scenarios roll through our mind and that self-protection is nothing more than the absence of knowing God loves you because that self-protection is the is the torment of moves and counter moves. But David, David got up and he came against the enemy because he heard every day of his life, every day of his life, beloved, beloved, beloved. Come here, beloved. I want you to know today David was a type. He was a type of Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was, the, he was anointed king because the king of kings is anointed. And you and I are in Christ, and thus we are loved. Amen? Everything that need be done was done in him. And I assure you, and I will say this as often as I possibly can, I'm not foregoing holiness. I'm not foregoing the, the idea that everything goes. No. 
The libertarian that wants to dilute the sacrifice of Christ. I'm not interested in diluting the sacrifice of Christ and taking and, and diminishing the fact that God has, has afforded salvation to everyone. God has, has given salvation to every person, but we must receive that love and that sacrifice in order to live in relationship with God. Nor do I want to fall in the camp. There are the legalists that are always adding to. Well, it's Jesus plus, Jesus plus, Jesus plus. Folks, it's just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it's his love that is in us, that compels us, that drives us, that will transform us into his likeness and his image. But see, if I live, and only the Holy Spirit can reveal this to you tonight. I can rant and rave. I can spit to the back row. But it's not going to change you until the Holy Spirit reaches inside your heart and gives you the revelation I just want you to stop for a moment. I think just for a moment. How much different your life would look if you were not self-protecting, self-defending, self-preserving, and you were walking in the love of God. The reason I read down to those last two verses that I left off with is this. For 40 days and for 40 nights, Israel was greatly afraid, sitting, tormented because of that giant that was in the valley. And when David said, I don't want to be self-protected, I'm going to walk out in this valley vulnerable, I just trust God. I don't know how to do all that other stuff. I don't know how to think like that. I, I'm just, I can't do it. I, I've never won a battle with that stuff. Well, let me tell you where I've won a battle. See, it takes a... Goliath had four brothers, if you didn't know. It takes that sling, running. He knows he's loved of God. He's in covenant with the Lord, and that giant is not. He's running. To avoid, I'm not going to run because I need to hold enough breath to finish this. He's, he's, he's running, running, running. The big old sucker didn't even pull his sword out. I think it stunned him because he was running after him. How was this kid doing? What's this boy? This is... Uh, he could have been 14, he could have been 17, we don't know for sure, but he's, here's this little kid, and he's running after this seasoned soothsayer from Gath, which means wine press, and he's got the army so tormented, the king won't even come out of the tent, and he's running out there, what's this boy doing? Let me tell you, you want to throw the devil off his game, run after him. You've been running from him long enough. Just start running after him with the word of God. Because you're loved. Hit him in the head and bam. David had to draw his sword out. David did something I believe we need to do. He cut his head off. 
You know, it's awfully hard to talk when your head's cut off. You've got to have some help. You've got to have a hand stuck up in the back. My name is Goliath. You can't talk anymore if you don't have a head. Let me tell you, fear doesn't, can't talk anymore if it, doesn't, if it gets his head cut off. But the reason I read the last two verses is because when David stood up and faced his giant because he knew he was loved of God, he ran after him because he knew he was in covenant with the love of God. He ran after him. Now when he defeated the giant, all of the Israelite army got up and they took off. And they went after as they saw the beloved going after the giant. Now they had courage enough to go after their enemy. The Bible says that they plundered them all the way back to their hometown. They wounded them all the way back, chased them out of their yard, out of their land. I don't know about you, but I think it's time we as the people of the living God discover the love of God and start chasing the fear and the devil out of our yard because of all the fear and the torment that, that comes as a result. Amen? Father, we need your help. Elijah, come help me tonight. Father, we need your help, Lord God, in this house this evening, Lord. Oh, merciful God. Merciful God. We need freedom from self-protection, Lord God. Lord, that self-protection leads to pride. And, Lord, it leads to torment. And it leads to arrogance, Lord God. Lord, it leads to the very thing that we're trying to avoid is the very thing that we end up doing, and that is serving Goliath, Lord God, when we live in the, under, the, under the, the trying to guard ourselves, in ourselves, against this torment of fear. Lord, give us hearts that are brave enough just to trust you. Give us a heart that has faith enough just to accept that what you did for one, you did for all. That, Lord, when you said that you so loved the world, you were talking about us individually. You so loved the world that you gave your beloved to show us that we are loved. We don't earn it. We can't be good enough to get it. We just need to accept it, receive it, live in it, walk in it. Lord, your love is being extended today. One last thing and I'm going to close. When I was a kid, I was on my way to school, I was walking to school. School was uphill both ways, I didn't know if you knew. Anybody ever walked to school uphill both ways, 10 miles one direction? Barefooted, yes. Wearing last year's jeans and the snow, yes. So I'm walking to school one day and I, I told me I found this little dog. He got his tail caught somewhere. And it literally ripped his little tail off. He was injured. That's what wasn't helping. So I was trying to reach for him and he started growling at me. 
So I back up and try to try to come at him in a different way, and he just he wasn't having it. He was hurt. He was wounded. I was trying to show him compassion. I was trying to show him love. But he wouldn't, he wouldn't take it. It's so sad the fact that we live in a world where so many people, God is trying to give and extend his love to them, but they're so broken, so injured, so wounded, that they won't receive it. But you know what the sadder thing is? To be a child of God still act broken because you haven't been healed by his love do you hear me tonight can you see how this can change everything everything when you discover that you don't have to shield yourself anymore God's love's already got you shielded if you'll step out and let the Lord just receive God's love, it'll change your demeanor, your conversation, your outlook, and your relationships. Stand with me, if you will. We surrender to your love tonight. Lord, we ask for a revelation of your love tonight. Lord, we ask, Almighty God, that we could understand. You don't fault us for not understanding. You don't condemn us for not understanding. Lord, you don't push us away for not understanding. But Lord, I pray that the light of your love may shine in the hearts of your children tonight. Folks, I believe in the altar. I believe that change takes place in the altar, but I, I feel a real sense of sensitivity tonight. So with head bowed tonight, and, and, and nobody looking around, if you're in this house tonight and say, you know what, I, I genuinely need the revelation of God's love. Could you put your hand up tonight? If that's you tonight, just put your, put your hand up. I, I need a revelation of God's love. I don't want to live in the torment of self-protected fear anymore. Could you tonight just lift both hands and list all across this room. As the body of Christ. There's some giants that are falling tonight. There's some giants that are going to be beheaded tonight. There's some giants you're going to stop listening to, and they're not going to seem so fierce anymore. I don't have time to get into it, but you know what David did with, a, with Goliath's sword? He went back and, and received the sword from the priest, and then he used that sword for campaigns against the enemy over and over and over again. The very thing the enemy thought he was going to kill you with is the very thing that you're going to use to destroy him with. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray tonight, Lord, for revelation, knowledge, and understanding, Lord God. 
that, Lord, will not cause the children of God, Lord, to stay away, Father God, from the valley, but, Lord, they will run after their giants and destroy them because they know that in the destruction of that fear and that self-protection and that giant, Lord God, that others will follow, children will follow, moms and dads will follow, Lord God, those in the community will follow, Lord, those that are lost and away from you, Lord God, they will come to a saving knowledge because of the love of Jesus Christ flowing through your church. And Lord, I believe tonight, Lord, there is revelation being poured out. Scales are falling from eyes and hearts are being transformed because we understand we are loved, living in the beloved. Thank you, Lord, tonight for your mercy, for your goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen. You feel better? Anybody feel any worse? Amen. Amen. Please show yourself friendly. God bless you. Church, we'll see you back here on Sunday morning. Amen. Many of you will be back on Saturday. So God bless. Have a great rest of the week. And uh, we appreciate you.